Thank you, Sheila. Motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran. It's the, uh, what Sunday is this? It's the second Sunday in Lent. I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, we're going to start uh, this next section here. Um, all those people online, we're going to sing a song called Lean In Toward the Light. It uh, requires that you help out for two reasons. One, because it's a call and response kind of song, and it only works um, if you do the response part. And then the other part is, if we're going to change all this stuff in the world, we need more voices to help change it. So you're it. So um, come on along. Lean in toward the light. Um, you'll catch on after a while. And then you just sing it with all your heart. Carrie Newcomer song. is the oldest season but quietly beneath the snow seeds are stretching out and reaching faithful as the morning glow Carry nothing but what you must Lean in toward the light That's your part Let it go, shake off the dust Lean in toward the light Today is now, tomorrow beckons Lean in toward the light Keep practicing resurrection Lean in toward the light Well, that was a good tentative start there All this world will say There's no hope, why try anyway But every kindness, large or slight Shifts the balance toward the light Waters wind and open wide Lean in toward the light Don't just walk when you can fly Lean in toward the light when justice seems in short supply Lean in toward the light Let beauty be your truest guide Lean in toward the light Shadows of this world will there's no hope, why try anyway? But every kindness, large or slight, shifts the balance toward the light. The prayer I pray at eventide, lean in toward the light. All left undone be put aside, lean in toward the light. Forgiveness is hard to find Lean in toward the light Help me at least to be kind Lean in 
singing toward the light. Keep singing, sing harmony, lean in toward the light. Lean in, lean in toward the light. Lean in, lean in toward the light. 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 Lean in, lean in, lean in toward the light. Lean in toward the light. Lean in toward the light. Good morning. Good to be here. You uh, set your alarms or your phones took care of you. Uh, obviously, a few people missed. So we may have a 10 o'clock or a 9 o'clock service for them when they arrive, too. Uh, but thank you for being here this morning. Thank you to all those who are uh, worshiping with us online. What, nice to see you all. So sometimes I'm told, you know, they, they can't see the pack rows. And they only see the front couple rows, and it looks like no one's here. But we are here, and it is the second Sunday in Lent, and it is good for us uh, to be together. And God is going to honor uh, your decision to come down the highway today to put yourself in the path of the gospel. Uh, we're going to open our hearts to God's word and be touched, I'm sure. Uh, the order of service is printed for you, and everything will be projected for you as well. If it's comfortable, I would invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, gather us in.
Our Lenten responsive reading is a brief order for confession and forgiveness. We all have a story. Main roads, back roads, and detours. Joy and sorrow. We see and experience it all. Each of us has a, a few paragraphs that we regret. Tender words that we neglected to speak. We all have a story. Forgive us, Lord. Give us the grace to forgive others. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Dear friends in Christ, in mercy, God forgives us all our sins. God offers us this day a new beginning. May we repent of the ways that leave us broken, and may we learn to love as Jesus taught us. Your sins are forgiven. Let them go and live. Amen. Or hymn of praise, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. you have gathered us together in this place, Lord God. Lift us up now. Lift us up with good news. Lift us up when we fall. Bring light to the dark places of our lives and our world. Lift us up and inspire us to live, love, and serve as a joyful response to your amazing grace. We pray in the name that is above all others, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from John, the ninth chapter, beginning at the first verse. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Diana. A uh, song this morning called Humble King. Um, and there is a refrain up there. And you're welcome to sing or listen, whatever works best for you. heart in me. You are the God of the humble. 
are the humble king. You are the God of the humble. You are the humble king. Humble God, thank you, Carl. And Diane, thanks for reading that lesson. Um, the title for this morning's sermon is 14 Seconds. Stay tuned. <laughs> Jesus, who sinned? Who sinned that this man was born blind? Tell us, Lord, was it him? Or was it his parents who sinned? I have to think that Jesus just shook his head at his disciples. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It must be exasperating being the Savior for humans, huh? Martin Luther had a conversation with a skeptic of Christianity, and the conversation went something like this. Luther, you say God is all-powerful. So tell me, if God is all-powerful, can God make a rock so big that God cannot lift it? Luther said God could, but he's busy building hell for people who ask dumb questions. Jesus, who sinned? Who sinned that this man was born blind? Now let's give them the benefit of the doubt for the question. Perhaps the question was not so dumb after all. In fact, it was probably pretty reasonable given the time, given the time and the culture. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they were just trying. Trying to make sense of the world. They were trying to make sense of the suffering that they saw around them. They were seeking insight, and they were also seeking protection. You see, if they knew what caused such misery, then perhaps they could avoid it. They could rest easier if... They could rest easier if... if the suffering was not random. Random suffering, after all, is terrifying. It is like a pandemic vapor that floats through the air and strikes without warning. Random suffering is random. It cannot be controlled. It cannot be understood. It's very unsettling. Help us understand Jesus. Help us to understand this. We see this man who's Blind, and he was born blind. There's got to be sin in here somewhere, right, Jesus? Help us to understand. Oh, the disciples. Pathetic creatures, flesh and bone just like us. Trying to find their place in the world, living into a mystery that was beyond them. We gave them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also guessing that there might have been just... A, a, a little bit, maybe, of religious self-righteousness that was going on here as well. 
the thought, even if it was just a passing thought, that maybe the ones who suffered somehow deserved it. The thought that the ones who suffered were somehow being punished by God for their actions, perhaps actions that no one else knew about. You see, from the dawn of human history, people of faith have always wondered, where is God in my suffering? And since there is no comfort in random suffering, they assume that sinners somehow get what they had coming to them. In the 13th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus was approached by someone who had breaking headline news. He ran up to Jesus out of breath and he said, Jesus, some Galileans had come to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice at the temple, and they were executed by Pilate. Their blood was mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Now remember, Jesus was from the Galilee. Nazareth is in the hill country of Galilee, and Capernaum is situated on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The ones who had been killed were from his neighborhood. But clearly there was something implied in the question that Jesus did not like. Perhaps it reminded him of the question the disciples had asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus responded to the news with a rather stern rebuke. He rebuked any who would pass judgment on the Galileans. He said, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were somehow worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. And the 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they too were worse sinners than all the others who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. 14 seconds. That's the title of the sermon. Now, most of us here today consider, we consider ourselves to be Christian. Others are still trying to figure this Jesus movement out. Both are fine. Both are understandable. And many here in the sanctuary have, have studied the Bible and heard boring sermons your whole life long. Some have done graduate work in philosophy and religious studies. But here is my question for you this morning. Can we admit, can we admit that we really don't know much about God? Can we admit that we are mostly clueless? Can we trust in a mystery that is beyond our understanding? Can we admit that like those truth seekers 2,000 years ago, that sometimes we ask uninformed questions, questions that must make God shake her head? <laughs> you see, the Bible asks us to have faith. The Bible does not ask us to understand. And Jesus said that we should have faith, but our faith should be like what? Like the faith of a, a child, right? Children rarely understand the logic or action 
of their parents. Can we admit, can we admit as Christian people that we really don't know much about God? I sat with Hugh Perry on a beautiful fall day in 2007. We were side by side in his living room, just on the other side of the post office, looking out on beautiful Holmes Harbor. I had baptized Hugh as an adult. He had experienced the love of Jesus here at Trinity, and he had grown in his faith and his love. But now his world had become very small. His world was a hospital bed in his living room. He could not really move at all. He passed every day the same way, in the same place. We talked for some time. We caught up with news in the parish, but my heart was heavy. I said, Hugh, I, I can't explain it to you. I'm not sure where God is in all of this. I have no answers for why you have to suffer like this. And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, and remind me what I'm paying you for? <laughs> Can we trust? Can we trust a mystery? Can we admit? Can we admit that we, as Christian people, don't really know much about God? Would that honesty be uncomfortable for you? Would that honesty threaten you in some way? Jesus said nobody sinned. He was born blind. He could not have sinned in the womb. Now what is responsible? And to blame the parents is to add injury to insult. Now stop it. Don't judge others and don't think for a minute that you can comprehend the mysteries of God. And while I'm at it, do you really think that God has nothing better to do than to tip towers over on people? Have you ever seen me push a tower over on anyone? Do you really think that God gives cancer to children, children he loves, in order to teach them or their parents a lesson? Come on. Do you really think that God has the time or energy to keep score of every wrong of you pathetic humans and then dish out death and punishment for those offenses? Fourteen seconds. That's the title of the sermon. Can we admit, can we admit as Christian people that we really don't know much about God? And could that free us in some way? Could that newfound humility perhaps renew our faith? A faith that's a little more childlike, a faith that is not dependent on our understanding. I got to tell you, if, if our salvation is dependent upon our ability to understand God, then we are doomed. And likewise, if our salvation is dependent upon our good works, our pristine character and lifestyles, then once again, we're doomed. Martin Luther came to the understanding that there were really only two options when it came 
to salvation. We either earn it or it is a mysterious gift from God. We either earn it or it is a gift. Now, early in life, Martin Luther was consumed with earning his salvation. Let me translate that for you. He thought that he could be his own Savior. And he was motivated more by his fear of the fires of hell than he was the abundant life that Jesus promised. And so he confessed his sins. He woke up early. He did good deeds. He went to church multiple times a day. He prayed. He fasted. And after a day full of godly activity, he was so afraid that he felt he needed to confess his sins one more time. And he went to bed, terrified. If his eternal salvation or damnation was based on his works, then he could not help all the time wonder, did I do enough? Did I do enough today? Enough to warrant God's love? Or had, had, I, had he fallen short? And would he ultimately fall into the hands of an angry God? You see, there are really only two options when it comes to our salvation. We are either left on our own to earn our salvation, or it is a gift from God. Now, on our own, we are destined to a miserable life of uncertainty and fear. Daily activities motivated not by love, but to avoid punishment. After all, we don't We don't want God tipping any towers over on us, do we? But if our salvation is a gift from God, if Jesus really was a Savior and not you and not me, if Jesus really set us free from sin and death and guilt and shame, if Jesus really is the Savior of the world, then our entire life can be lived in response to the grace that God has already showed to us. That grace, that good news, that freedom will lead us to the abundant life that God really desires for us. 14 seconds. God is not a cosmic scorekeeper. God is not a cosmic scorekeeper. We do not get points for kindness. We do not get points deducted for sin either. We are not punished by God for our sin, and we are not rewarded by God with a participation trophy of some kind. You see, God does not need to keep score. The system kind of takes care of itself. Not without some random misfortune. Some just have bad luck. Not without some unexplained suffering. But in general, if we are kind to others, then we are more likely to experience kindness in return. And if we want to have friends, then it's best to start by being a good friend to others. And if we keep the Ten Commandments, we will not earn God's favor, but we are more likely to stay out of trouble and we will increase the odds of having good relationships. No guarantee, just increase the odds. Who sinned, Jesus? 
Who sinned that this man and his family are suffering? And Jesus said, no one sinned. And no one needs to judge them. But Jesus, what about those 18? What about those 18 killed in the construction accident? Were they being punished by God? No, I tell you. No. Someone bought substandard materials. Someone did not get a building permit. Someone did not hire engineers. There are a hundred reasons that the tower tipped, but it was not an action or the judgment of God. Have you ever seen me tipping towers on people? For thousands of years, humans, through trial and error, have tried to figure out what pleased God, hoping to figure out what buttons they could push in order to somehow control God to secure the protection and the blessing of God. You know, give a little sacrifice here, get a little rain for our crops, give a little sacrifice here, have a baby or two. But from the murder scene of Cain and Abel to the year 2020, the world has been fallen. Disease and famine, common. Invading armies then and now, flood and drought. And people of faith and people without faith suffer. Into every life a little rain must fall, and humans wonder, where is God? Where is God in all of this? What was the sermon title? (laughs) 14 seconds. Scientists tell us that this current universe... This creation that we experienced began 13.8 billion years ago. In the moment before the Big Bang, all that existed in the universe was smaller than an atom. Then, boom, an explosion. And creation was expanding in all directions. And if the entire history of creation was condensed. If we could condense the entire history of creation into a single calendar year, everything from the Big Bang to this worship service condensed into 12 months, what would that look like? Well, in the beginning, there would be darkness and void, just like the Bible tells us. Then there was light. Then the forming of the galaxies. Then our sun made its debut. And humans? When did humans enter God's story of creation? Humans entered the story on December 31st at 14 seconds to midnight. 14 seconds. 14 seconds ago, women and men came into being. Every king, every queen, every poet, every composer, every moment of human history has occurred in the last 14 seconds of creation's history. Got that? Can you get your head around that? 14 seconds ago, Adam and Eve appeared in the garden. Does that reality make us insignificant? No, not at all. You know what it makes us? It makes us a miracle of God's imagination. And this life that we have is a gift to be embraced in humility. 
knowledge and mystery. We are a part of God's story, but we are not the totality of God's story. And science will continue to expand the knowledge base of humans, but the mystery will always be there. We will not solve all the mysteries in 14 seconds. No, the movement of Almighty God is mysterious and beyond our comprehension. How freeing it would be, how refreshing it would be to admit that as Christians, we don't know much about God. Can we trust God? Can we trust the mystery? Amen. Let us take hands and try the water. Let us share hearts and sail the sea. Let our love stand the test as we fathom the rest of the mystery. It takes many hands to build a temple. It takes many hands to roll the sea. It takes many hearts from many lands to shape our destiny. We must risk a little of our safety or we'll have nothing left to risk at all. To love is the greatest commandment, to love as the Lord of all. Let us take hands and try the water. Let us share hearts and sail the sea. Let our love stand the test as we fathom the rest of a mystery. Let God remind us you find your treasure where your heart is. Now let us discover the heart of our neighbor far and near. See God's light in every creation with gracious love drawn near. Let us take hands and try the water. Let us share hearts and sail the sea. 
invite you to stand as we lift our hearts uh, to God in prayer. Diane's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will lead us to our sung prayer response. Um, oh God, we call to you. So each petition win, we call to you, and then we sing this response. Come and sit with us today. Forgive us, God, when we limit you, when we remake you in our image, when we claim our causes as your own. Gently awaken us when we box you in and explain you away, and in our attempts at understanding, whittle away all mystery. Guide us on the way that leads us to a deeper understanding of your truth, and that will make us lovers of God and lovers of neighbor in ways of grace that we have not yet even imagined we call to you. God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and the hatred that infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love. And through our struggle and confusion, work to accomplish your purposes on earth. We call to you. Oh God, Loving God, we pray for the people of Ukraine, for all those suffering or afraid, that you will be close to them and protect them. We pray for world leaders. May compassion, strength, and wisdom guide their choices. We pray for all that in this moment of crisis, we may reach out in solidarity to all our brothers and sisters in need. And may we act without prejudice as we respond to other situations of injustice in the world with equal passion, regardless of race, religion, or nationality. May we walk in your ways, 
so that peace and justice become a reality for the people of Ukraine and for all the world, we call to you. God, where hearts are fearful and constricted, grant courage and hope. Where anxiety is infectious and widening, grant peace and reassurance. Be with those nearing death or those who have received daunting medical results. Especially we lift up Brenda Kidd as she embarks on a journey of treatment and heal. Strengthen Brenda, Tom, and all your children for the road ahead. We call to you. the Holy Spirit continue to guide us into the mystery of God, inspiring our teachings, beliefs, and definitions to remain authentic pathways into this mystery. Grant us open minds and hearts so that we may recognize and rejoice in your presence. Gracious and loving God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. I like the tie. I like the tie. Welcome. Peace be with you. Good to see you. Yeah. That's peace. Wonderful. Yep. Thanks. Yep. That's peace. It's peace. It's peace. It's peace. Thank you for sharing that greeting and peace. After the service, come on over to the gym. Time of coffee and cookies and fellowship together. Sunday school down the hall, adult forum every Sunday down the fireside room, 9:10. This morning, uh, talking about Zoroastrian uh, religious movement. Uh, should be a fascinating uh, topic of conversation, so we look forward to that. Uh, Thursday night during uh, Lent, we're having potlucks. We have one on Thursday. What a great potluck, great food people brought. We eat what you bring. Uh, we provide ice cream bars, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Thursday, the potlucks are at 6 o'clock, 
and the service then, Hold and Healing Prayer, goes from 7 to about 7.35. If you can sign up on the Narthex if you're coming, just to let us know you're coming, that would be helpful, but uh, we'd encourage you to, to come out if you could do that. Uh, also, the, uh, you saw the checks out in the hall, Ukraine, thank you. Uh, you have sent $25,000, already gone, already uh, to the Ukraine, uh, actually to the uh, Eastern Europe to help in the refugees of the Ukraine as they cross borders. Uh, you are there already with $25,000 from this parish, so I, I just can't thank you enough uh, for that. Um, uh, a great celebration there. Thank you. Um, let's see. God is good? All the time. All the time? God is good. Pastor Tom, our prayers for you. Prayers for Brenda. Love you both. And uh, God is good, and this family loves you both. So our prayers, prayers for you. Please take that love to Brenda. Deacon Amy is going to come share a few words. Good morning. Good morning. So first, I have to tell you, I uh, had the wonderful, amazing opportunity to load up the church van with kids again Friday evening. We drove up to uh, Camp Lutherwood in Bellingham and just had a fantastic time at the elementary retreat. Uh, Just before we left yesterday, I asked one of our little girls if she had a good weekend, and she said, this was the best weekend ever. And I said, that's so good. I'm glad you had fun. And she says, no. I am serious. This is the best weekend of my life. (laughs) Well, good. So thank you. Thank you all for supporting us and our kids and um, helping us to do wonderful things like that. It really, really felt good to get back to camp. Um, Let's see. Confirmation classes will meet next Sunday. We're having a week off. And then our middle school youth group that meets every Wednesday, we're moving to on campus every week. So we have done away with Zoom and we're back on campus every Wednesday evening, um, having fun and playing together. Our high school group, our mental health check-ins continue every Tuesday evening. That's at seven o'clock up in the youth room. Um, And then we have more information on our trips, middle school students going to Camp Luther Haven and high school students going to uh, Flathead Lake. Uh, great opportunities coming up. There are sign-up sheets in the gym for both of those trips. And then also, Easter is just around the corner, and we get to have our annual Easter breakfast and Easter egg hunt again. So there are, woohoo! <laughs> so there are empty Easter eggs in the gym just waiting to be taken home and filled with all kinds of Easter goodies. So if you would like to help out, please grab a bag of Easter eggs and uh, we're asking this year that if you put candy in them, that they're individually wrapped candies or any other kinds of goodies. You know, pennies and dimes are pretty exciting for little kids. So um, thank you. Thank you for all that you do to support our kids. Thank you, Deacon Amy. It's going to be the best Easter ever because <laughs> we will be uh, together. Um, once in a while, we give a shout out to our online community. Uh, they are out there. They are out there every week. They tune in every week. They are part of the Trinity family, and we're honored to share the journey with them. Uh, so thank you to all of our online friends. Now i got a question for you. Where were you in March of 1956? Well, some of you weren't born, but Shannon, uh, Shannon Sweat was a star athlete at Whitworth College. He was a quarterback on the football team. 
and he was also in love, as you see that picture right there. On March 10th, 1956, Shannon and Janet stood in front of an altar at the Whitworth Community Church in Spokane, and they exchanged vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. They promised to see the seasons together, and they have done so for 66 years. And so today, They're a part of our online community, not our in-person community. They're I'm watching today, as they have been every week. Um, And so we are joining their children, their grandchildren, and great-grandchildren and honoring them and the vows that they have uh, honored between the two of them for 66 years. And the flowers up here are for you, Shannon and Janet, from your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. Blessings on the journey. And it was a tough week for Seahawks fans. (laughs) Now, old people like us realize that if you're going to be diehard sports fans, you're going to be miserable 95% of the time. But when you're five years old and all you've ever known is Seahawks sport heroes, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, well... No more Seahawks calls. Okay. It's my grandson. Uh, Show it one more time. Show it one more time if you got it back there. So that's his locker in his room. He threw out all the jerseys. Says no more Seahawks. No more Seahawks calls. Okay. And then kicks him to show he takes after his grandfather. (laughs) All right. Just a little fun. We have, to have, we have to have some fun in the midst of all the chaos in the world. Anything else? <laughs> Carl had a really good turnout uh, Wednesday of choir members. 17, right? We had 17 people, and uh, it was great. We were shooting for Easter, and we will not rehearse this week, but uh, we'll come back on April 6th and uh, sing some more. 17 in the choir, and they have room for more, so if you'd like to join them. I'm going to invite you, Deanne. Hearts together. They've been together for 30 years or so, and uh, they're meeting the fireside rooms on Monday morning to talk to Deanne. Uh, more information about that. Thank you, Deanne. I'd invite you to stand. As we join our hearts now in prayer, as Jesus taught us, singing together the Lord's Prayer.
Now as you prepare to leave this place of worship, go out those doors and find your own places of ministry and service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn is a, a word of blessing that we speak to each other. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you. I send you.